This is a journey into sound. I know what you pinko, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. Hi, this is James Rivera. I'm going back to old school. MSR cast? Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time and we're not going away. This is James Rivera from Hellstar. Support your local scene. Welcome everyone to episode 157 of the MSR Cast Metal Podcast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance, MetalGeeks.net, and MetalInjection.net. I am your host, I am Carrie G, and with me... Hey, Sean, I'm the Metal Pigeon. Hey, you're not going to make any pigeon noises tonight, are you? No, no. So uh, we're trying a couple uh, new things out for this episode. We are trying a new recording method, and we are going to go a little bit more freeform into some conversational A little more honesty, a little more talking. A little more talking, a little more honesty, exactly. But a little bit of music as well. Yeah. So um, what's up? What's new new in the metal world that you wanted to talk about? Uh, You know... I guess the biggest thing that we need to talk about right off the bat that we'd be um, kind of avoiding on purpose if we didn't would be the Opeth thing. All the, right. What, I mean, you've heard the album. I have heard the album many okay, times. Just first impressions, what do you think? I like it. it the first time I heard it, it was a little... It, I didn't know if I liked it or not. Yeah. It took me a, a couple of listens to really to get it. See, I'm... I'm on. Uh, I'm. I'm. I feel so torn about the album because I. I. I, I like it more than uh, Heritage. Yep. But the more I'm listening to it, ah, oh, this is gonna sound really bad. No, <laughs> the more I'm listening be, to be it, honest. the more I'm getting bored with it. Like it's not revealing itself to me in a positive way, and mm-hmm. it's just becoming very. And maybe it's because. And I wrote this in my review. Um, maybe it's because. When I first listened to it, I was very much open. I was in the mood for an, uh, you right. know, that particular sound. And then maybe subsequent listens, I've been more in the mood for something else. That could be it. But it seems very weird to me that it's, it's it's happening continually. If I put it on right now, I feel like I'd feel the same way. Where You did a review on it. Where would somebody go to, to read that review? Oh, oh, they're not interested in that. Oh, yeah, I think <laughs> they are. Uh, TheMetalPigeon.com. Oh. Yeah. Reviewed that, that one. Reviewed a couple other albums. That was the 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 lead off review. Um, I I think the thing about the Opeth album is a lot of people 
they want them to still be heavy and they're not in that part of their career anymore. And I can understand that. No, I, I don't have any fault with them for, for going away from it. I, I do think that, that, um, all for all their, uh, for all their, their focusing on, uh, on going away from heavy sounds. Yeah. Sometimes it feels a little too purposeful. Like, like it seems like, okay, I understand you're the other, because Opeth was always progressive metal mm-hmm. built upon like seventies, progressive rock influences mixed with death metal. Yep. You know, but when you remove the death metal and you're just left with 70 progressive rock, there's a track on the album called Goblin. Now Goblin was a seventies progressive rock band this this track Goblin sounds exactly like the band Goblin, and I get like people have have said to me um, that hey, get over it. It's it's a tribute track. I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Hate is such a strong word. No, I hate it. It's because I hate it. It's because here's the thing. Here's why I hate it. And we have a mutual friend, uh, Maurice, uh, who is the guitarist in a local metal band out here. Um, Sanctus Bellum. Exactly. Who we've had on the show before. Yeah. And he's a huge Opeth fan. Yeah. To the point of being an Opeth apologist. And I and I and I love the guy. But he was we were talking about this on Facebook and he um and he was mentioning the Goblin track and I was like, you know what? I know I've had a discussion with you before about Dream Theater and how much like the the the, the tomatoes you we can throw at Dream Theater for their wankery well, what they're what Opeth is doing on a track like Goblin is the exact same thing that people get angry at Dream Theater for doing, which is just progressive noodling and wankery. That song made me so mad when I heard it, and even the first time of the album, like, like that's what I hated on Heritage, and that's what I hate on this album. And I liked the album overall, mm-hmm. but when they when they descend into that kind of goofy no no melodic through line uh kind of just masturbation it that's that's the kind of stuff i'm just like that's not opeth i think opeth really they their career peaked at deliverance and everything a little bit was a little bit going yeah. downhill i would and- say i would i would say that ghost reveries was still a good album yes I'll agree on that one. Ghost Reveries was a good synthesis of like, okay, they just come out of uh, Damnation and Deliverance, merging those two styles back together. Like those, you know, they did the two different right. albums, merging them back together into a into a more palatable, Co- cohesive, cohesive. Yeah, that was like the last truly like, oh, this is a very good album because there are so many songs in the album I liked. Watershed was sort yeah. of like the beginning of them trying to say, okay, we'll remove a lot of death vocals. When you go back and listen to Watershed. You realize that there's not a lot of death metal vocals here. That's fine. I don't need death metal vocals. I just want Opeth to be interesting, and they've achieved that on the new album, partially. Like I think Faith and Others, the last song in the album, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best songs they've ever written. Like it's so beautiful. Like that that little guitar motif they do that's, that's led into the by the piano motif. I need to. It's been a couple of weeks since I've actually listened to the right. to the album, so I need to go back and and, and Which, listen to it some more. But I'll, I'll, we'll just comment on that. That yeah. might be a failing yeah, of Opeth's yeah. of the album. Because no, I when agree. I, when I got because I, I was such a huge Opeth fan that when I got Blackwater Park, I did not stop listening to that mm-hmm. album. I listened to it. Through fall, through the winter, like every day, it would just be my soundtrack. And, and you know, you get older and, and you, you, know, you have different responsibilities in your life and you get like, and now we're living in an age where it's like, 
there's too much music coming at you. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of music coming at you. It, and, it does mess with your ability to, yes. but to, to focus on an album. But at the same time, like I'm still listening to the Dawn of Destiny album that came out way back in March. I'm listening to that like every week. In, yeah, it's weird because, you know, like if I'm at work, I have Spotify there with me so I can listen to, to different things. And I never have the urge to to pull up this new Opus album. Yeah. It's it's saying something right there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damnation, Deliverance, Blackwater Park, I'll go listen to those all day. But yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and there's also the thing I noticed when I was listening to it. Um, and I, when I, whenever I try to, whenever I'm listening to an album and I know I'm going to actually write write about it, I'll, I'll be like, okay, I can listen to it while I'm doing things, but I have to have at least five or six times where I just sit there and listen to it and just focus on it. Cause then I feel like, okay, at least when I write the review, I know I'll be honest to myself and therefore honest to anyone who's reading the review. And I found it hard sometimes to sit there and focus on it. But if I put on, and I, I hate, I'm sorry to keep saying Blackwater Park, but it's the most obvious go-to. Whenever I put that album on and like Dirge from November comes on, I will sit there and yeah. listen to it with the most attention I can possibly give. Like you're sitting there watching an episode of a TV show, you know, like where you're just sitting there focusing on it. Yeah. That's the way you should be listening to music. And, you know, there's some music you can, you can accept passively. Like there's, you know, some sync, like the new Hammerfall album. I know we're, I know we're jumping ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I wanted to segue into Hammerfall actually okay. from here. But like the new Hammerfall album, it's like, that's oh, just Hammerfall. And, you know, and I can have it all while I'm doing the dishes or I'm cooking dinner and just be like, and you can kind of every now and then after you're done stirring the pot, you can, you know, shake your fist at the chorus and whatever. Um, have the dragon come in and cook your dinner for you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it, there's different types of there's every different style of metal has like a different commitment level mentally and opeth in my mind should always have the like one of those higher commitment levels and they're they're going back on tour which they're not going to do any heavy stuff again oh, of course not and they're bringing in flames with them again and yeah the the different okay have you heard any of the new in flames i heard the single and that was so alarming that i decided to wait until the album's out it's, before i make any judgment i haven't listened to the complete album i tried listening to part of it yeah. it's really not the same band anymore it's it's no. very radio friendly i don't know you can't say like nickelback type of stuff but now that'd be going too far but it's definitely it's, not what they are what they were it's 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 yeah. past tense. They're not inflamed anymore. The inflamed yeah. past tense. Yeah, uh, it just inflames me. Yeah, I, 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 and the thing about that is, I, um, it's such a sensitive topic for me because I feel I felt a very emotional connection with that band back in the, when I got mm-hmm. into them during Colony and yeah. Quayman. Like, oh yeah, those albums meant a lot, especially Quayman. I listened to I that was probably the album that I listened to the most concentrated mm-hmm. amount of time in my life. Like. Whereas I listened to it every day for five months straight because it was encapsulating everything I was feeling after leaving high school. And Clayman was one of the best albums of the, le- the, the late nineties. Oh, I, I I think so. I mean, it was um, it it was an album. If you're ever, I don't know, it's just it was just one of those perfect albums because I know everyone will go towards Cork or the Jester Race or something like that, mm-hmm. which Clayman, are good too. But yeah, they're they're masterpieces. But Clayman was the the sort of um, that weird mix of like it, it was just coming off of their classical era 
and before they hit that bridge to that new era, it was a merging. It was a mix, a, a perfect m- middle point. Will know? they be able to play that stuff live, though? I mean, because with their new style, I mean, how are they going to? Okay, we're going to go heavy again. You can't just do that. Uh, you mean? Do you, you mean? Can they play their old stuff and their new stuff right. simultaneously? Well, they're going to have to because you can't. You can't build a twenty-song set list off of one new album. No, but. Are they going to lean more heavily on sing-along chorus songs? Yep. Here's the difference between old In Flames and new In Flames. And I can't believe we jumped from from Opeth to Hammerfall to In Flames, but I like this. Um, is the fact that old In Flames, with you know, back in the Jesper Strombald era, they had guitar melodies would lead the song, mm-hmm. and then something happened around uh, soundtrack to your escape where they sort of bridged into the songwriting period where the vocal melody would lead right. the song. And it really, if you go back and you listen to like, you know, new albums, it's always Andrews Frieden's vocal melody. That's and his, his clean vocals are not, he's not, not a singer. Great. He's not good. He's, he's okay in the studio when he has adjustments to make and yeah. time to breathe and, and he can sit there and focus on it, but he, he cannot pull it off live. Uh, when they just played at Vakken, I saw the set heard it and was just totally unimpressed i've seen them live in, mm-hmm. in the oh, recent yeah. years and I'm, i've always come away unimpressed he was such a spectacular uh death melodic death metal vocalist back in the old days and he basically traded in on his strength like you you forsake what you were good at and you're you're leaning on something that you need a lot of studio crutches to deliver to make like nothing's wrong with your studio performances they sound good but you're un- it just doesn't come across live and then people know that about you like fans go back to the next album like waiting for it and they know like well so when I hear this next melodic song that they're going to do say on the last album they did the singles for those were very chorus first melodic mm-hmm. you know vocal hook driven songs what was the last album called I don't even remember Sounds from a Playground Fading I think nah, that's and it, it, it had like Sounds one- of a Band Fading is what it was <laughs> it was one good song in there I liked but again it was very um vocal melody driven now wa- I- now watch me bring this back around back to opes and brat and back to msr cast if the episode that came out last week is episode 156 and it was an interview with warl dane from sanctuary mm. and warl definitely talks about the brand new opes so if you haven't heard that episode go back and listen to the last episode and you can hear warl dane's opinions on the new opus yeah see what i did there yeah now let's bring it back to Hammerfall. Okay. Well, let's uh, talk about the the new Hammerfall. You've heard it. Oh, I, I, I've listened to it many, many times. I actually, um, I'm also a writer now for KNAC.com, oh. and I interviewed um, Oscar last week. Yeah. Um, ama- it was an amazing interview, man. I'm going to see if I can hopefully bring that onto the show, but uh, for some reason, man, Every time I talk to somebody in a metal band now, it always turns into geek talk. Right. Because on the new album, they have the song that's based on uh, Game of Thrones books, the um, Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I brought that up, and we, he, he went off on the differences between the TV show and the books for about five minutes. And I was like, okay, so I have this other show called Metal Geeks Podcast. So let's talk about what else do you geek out about? So we, we talked about, you know, he's a collector. So right. he collects old school video games, um, and he collects vintage Star Wars toys. So we talked about that for a long time, and I actually mentioned to him, "I was like, all right, so I guess we need to get back to the metal now." And he's like, "Oh man, do we have to?" 
Okay. He was like so into yeah. talking about geek stuff with with me. It was it was oh, really that's cool. Nice. That's cool. And it was a lot of it was a great interview. He's like he's a really really good good interview. You know, sometimes you get an interview and it's like, "Eh, but Yeah. Man, he was really into it and he he told me a lot of a lot of good stuff, especially I, about the new album. Yeah. So a lot of these power metal guys have a lot to say. Um Mhm. Who's a really good um, Tom, uh, Dr. Metal uh, who does a Cle- uh, radio show in Cleveland just interviewed um, Toman uh, Stotch from Blind Guardian. Okay. Ex Blind Guardian. And he was like, he said, he was like, oh, the guy wouldn't shut up. It was like one of the best interviews he's ever done. And he just interviewed Olaf Mork from Amaranth. Uh, mm. You know, and he didn't know anything about, he didn't really know that much about right. his history, but he knew that he was um, in Dragonland. Yeah, that's a huge power metal legacy there. That's you know, and and apparently like, Olaf Mork was a great interview too. So, I, the World Dane was a great interview. We yeah. somehow we it came around to talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Why is it the power metal interviews are more interesting than the guys from death metal? <laughs> they don't take themselves so, so seriously. So seriously. I, I think that's I, what well, it is. Yeah, yeah. And Worrell actually told me at the end of the episode or in the interview that it was his one of his favorite interviews he's ever done. Oh wow! That's he said awesome. he had a lot of fun. I was like, yeah. "All right, I'm just who I am. I'm just right. normal, you know. Yeah. I'm a metalhead who's a geek, and you know, I like to talk about that stuff." Yeah. So uh, speaking of Hammerfall, let's get into a track. Okay. Um, what are we going to play? I like Hector's hymn. I think you know we talked about Hector's hymn. Bushido is good too. I originally picked Bushido, but I think you you brought up a great point with Hector's hymn because it's in, it encapsulates their entire career in one song. It's it talks it it goes back to like goes back to the first album. Yeah, and he mentions that in the interview about how and the lyrics are all done are not done by him. So even the, if you seen the music video, it has callbacks to all their previous albums and stuff. Yeah. So um, let's get into the. It's the first track off the brand new yeah. Hammerfall album. I don't know really how to say it. The Revolution or R Ice Evolution. I hate when bands do that. Yeah, they just call it Revolution. Revolution is it, it is. Uh, we'll be right back.
And we have returned to episode 157 of Emmett's Arcast. I am your host, I am Carrie G, and we just got into something from the brand new Hammerfall album. It's a, it's a good song. It's a really good song. I, You know, the thing is, when you read the interviews before uh, the album's released, they're talking about how it's supposed to be a return to uh, Glory of the Brave, yep. uh, Legacy of Kings. Okay, so they not got, the entire album. No, I don't think. Well, okay, but that's what they—that's the way they made it sound. Mm-hmm. Like they went back and they got Andreas Marshall to do the cover art. They got um, now who's the, I don't know who the producer was. I want to say it was uh, Jens Borgren. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, we talked about it during the interview. I got have to look at my notes. I guess. Uh, well, anyway, so they went. They they clearly went back for to to kind of emulate that old style, and they got it right on that song we just played. And then the rest of the album, it's just kind of modern Hammerfall, and I don't know what you, how you felt about Infected, um, the last album. I wasn't I, a fan of it. I liked it. it I mean, it, it was different. It was yeah, they were definitely trying new things, but it still had that catchy Hammerfall yeah, to it. Well, some songs were catchy, but then like some of them, I really felt like they were. There's something there was something off about Infected, and I know a lot of people kind of felt the same way. And I felt like a lot of that carried over into the, this new one, where there are good songs in the new one. Bushido is a good song. Uh, there's a couple songs in the middle that I thought had some really good hooks. Origins is a good song. Yes. Um, has a really good guitar solo in the middle of that one. But then I, you know, when I finished, um, in my review, I actually so, said that when I finished listening to this album for the final time, the last time I did it, I, it, the, I went immediately and put on Glory to the Brave. <laughs> Because I was like, ah, that's what they're trying to go for. I you know, in my, the back a, of my mind. I'm a weird um, Hammerfall fan because I hadn't really get into them until maybe two or three years ago. Oh wow! First time I ever heard them, it was on a it was a Vakin like compilation live, yeah, release thing, and I was watching it, and this band Hammerfall came on, and the song, of course, was Hammerfall right. from Hammerfall, and I was like, fuck, that's such a pompous band, man. Yeah. Their first song they play is it's named after themselves, but I uh, I got into them through Renegade back in like two thousand one or yeah. something, and that was such a good album. And then I heard um, because of, I was such an Inflames fan, I, I realized that oh, they have ties to Ceremonial Oath, mm-hmm. like That's true. Oscar and Jesper were in Ceremonial Oath together, and now they're and, and, and he helped Jesper Strombaugh helped write write most of that album. Uh, Glory of the Brave and Legacy of he, Kings. During the interview, he does talk about, you know, Jesper. Yeah. And um, actually, the song Way of the Warrior, it's the the song Bushido on the new album is a, a sequel to that track. Oh, wow. And if you listen to it, there's a the last part of the song sort of melds into the Way of the Warrior, like the same melody. Huh. I'll have to go back and listen to that because yeah. I, I don't think I recognize I that. And he said he did that on purpose, too. But Right. You know the thing is when you go back and you listen to those first two Hammerfall albums, they were at re- they were recorded at a time when like Melodeath was at its peak, and the guitar sound on that album is j- is when you listen to it. Jesper Stromba didn't record that album, mm-hmm. but he wrote he helped to write the riffs and shape that sound. The riffing sounds like it come from one of those In Flames classic yeah. albums. It's very dense. It's very compact. It's uh, there's a lot of fretting going on. There's a lot of uh, like the notes are stacked against each other. It's not they like, were they were fretting because they were running out of time to get it completed. <laughs> well, no, it's it's not you know I mean it's like it's not spaced out like Renegade started to get more spaced out yeah. when when Oscar took over the songwriting completely. 
the like the, it, the there was more space between the notes. It, it was less of a mellow death guitar sound. But those those the the reason why those first two albums are so classic is it was this weird mix of of this band that was this project. It wasn't even a band yet. It was they were trying to come together to like oh let's do like like a recreation of the the metal we grew up loving. Yep. But you had guys who were in the mellow death scene playing. You know, Ceremonial Oath was was a extreme metal band. Mm-hmm. You know. And these, and so those influences sort of touched it. It's sort of like when you listen to that first Falconer album back in two thousand one. It's like, man, these are like black metal riffs in here. Right. It's like, yeah, because he's coming off of Mythiton, you know, where he was in this this folk black metal band. Right. I love it when like power metal gets those little touches of extreme metal in there. You know, it's like this subtle accents. And as much as I enjoy Hammerfall, just on a very kind of casual power metal fan uh, level. Like, or I mean, I mean I, I'm a diehard power metal fan, but that's a band I don't get too passionate about because they've already released their two masterpieces like early in their career. Mm. And I can sort of recognize they're never going to be able to get back to that. So I, I enjoy each album as just kind of like, ah, cool. Hammerfall still doing it. <laughs> and like, there's a couple good songs. Like the last song that really got me pumped up was, uh, um, Hearts, uh, heart, hearts on fire. Yes, you know, from uh, 2005 or whenever that was. <laughs> the Not one <laughs> thing, okay. The one thing I got to say about Hammerfall before we move on the same, and it's the same thing that Oscar said during the interview. Is he writes catchy ass fucking songs? Yeah, and they get stuck in your head, and that's the kind of music he wants to to listen to, so he makes it. Yeah, and I, and I totally agree with that. Yeah, they don't have to be amazing. You know, it doesn't have to be the best song ever, but you cannot deny the the power of getting a Hammerfall song stuck in your head. No, I I will always respect Hammerfall for what they did for power metal. Like in the and when they when they came out in the late nineties, before they were around, power metal was just sort of dithering in the this ocean of I, of like. Ah, they, they they brought it back to yep. to, to fruition. The um, other band I would put right next to Hammerfall right there is is writing catchy ass power metal is Dream Evil. Yeah, I um, would say so too. I would say that that you know the thing the, the reason why I emphasize Hammerfall is because they were so commercially successful at it that it actually seemed to prompt like Nuclear Blast to go okay we'll enter a licensing agreement with yeah like Century Media or with Caroline Distribution, we'll get Blind Guardian albums released in the States. Like, it was no coincidence that Hammerfall went huge in Germany in 1998, and they said, okay, we'll take a risk. We'll release Nightfall and Middle-Earth by Blind Guardian in America. I mean, there was there was no... It was a direct one-to-one connection. Like, I, I think I've even read something where they, they were like, yeah, they, when Hammerfall blew up, we thought, let's just send this stuff all over the world. Like, we were focused on... Europe and Europe only. Let's get our stuff into America and whatever. But you know, it was not successful. Which was iTunes having to um, force you to yeah. listen to the new U two album. Yeah, I I'm glad we're talking about this because uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this all week, and I I listen to other podcasts that are not metal podcasts, and I was listening to the Grantland uh, Bill Simmons podcast. He's you know sports writer, but he always has like interesting pop culture stuff going all on. All right. And I didn't he, know. I didn't know you listened to any other podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> jealous now. I listen to so many podcasts. Yep. But anyway, um, he and his friend grew up as U2 fans, like back in the '80s, and like, yeah. in the, you know, they and everything. And he was, they were reminiscing about it, and and they were, he was calling his friend, and they were talking the show, and he was kind of shocked about how the reaction was to this new U2 album, and they and they sort of said, well, 
you know, musically they've sort of said all they had to say, and I agree with them. Like I, as just like a, a general rock fan, I can admit, like yeah, Fleetwood Mac Rumors, that's a legendary, perfect album, and I can admit as a rock fan, U two Joshua Tree, Untouchable. Like there's no, no one can say anything bad about that record. It's so perfect. So they they're they're a classic band for a reason. They've released classic albums in the past, and their heyday. Their last decade or so has been very mediocre yeah. and very like m- this is rock music for moms, like basically that kind of thing. Well, that's who's buying their albums. Well, no, but that's how like okay, or, it, or th- in this case, not buying their albums. Here, here's the thing: people people forget in the in the nineties they were really radical. They made like mm-hmm. uh, Octung Baby, Zeropa, and Pop were three albums that were going against everything that was out there. Like grunge music was big. And here's you two making an album with like techno and dance influences, and it actually sounded. I'll, I'll be honest, I I like those albums. I thought they sounded good and they're interesting. Okay, but music aside, you two has been fading for the past decade, like quality wise and just relevant wise. And this is a band that's so obsessed with being the cultural center of pop culture. They want, they they. It's more Bono. Well, Bono has this this hang up about being the. Like the biggest band in the world, right? And he's really very awkwardly, obviously concerned about that. Yeah. So he always wants to put himself in the center of attention and the center. He wants to put you two in the center of everything. And he succeeded in doing that in a weird way with this whole Apple deal. Apple pays a hundred million to you two for this album and a couple other unnamed releases. Mm-hmm. Five hundred million accounts get this album auto downloaded in there. And I understand why people are mad. Well, see, it's not it's not really auto downloaded. It's, it's in your cloud. It's in your if cloud. You have your settings that way where it auto downloads everything. Then you would get it exactly. And <laughs> which and so, is still bad. So both, they're both bad. So I was listening to this podcast, and these and these guys were reminiscing about how they they remember having memories of them being in college, and they would go to a Tower Records at midnight, and they would stand there in line waiting for a new U two oh, album yeah. to come out. Well, not you two for me, but yeah, yeah, and exactly. And, I, and I, when when they said that, I remembered like the midnight releases I went to. I remember the last time I went for a midnight release was the Smashing Pumpkins, Adore when they released that in nineteen ninety eight. I went for a midnight release, like of that album. That was you, the last time I remember. You know what this it says? I mean, the internet age. It's it's really changed the way people digest music. And it's it's affecting it's, everything about yeah. our behavior in a in a way that I don't like and. Mm-hmm. And, and what what they what he was saying was like imagine if our future selves like our modern day selves right now went back into the past and talked to those kids <laughs> standing in line our our idiot past selves and they said hey you know you're standing in line for this midnight release that's really great in 25 years like this store won't exist and this album that you're going to be like you're so excited about buying they're going to give this shit away for free right. and people are going to be furious about it like and I thought about that for myself like when I was standing in line for midnight releases. And I've only been to a couple of them in my life, but I remember that Smashing Pumpkin ones very, very clearly. If I come back to myself and be like, hey, no one cares about this. Like, it, it's it's so over. Hey, young version of myself. I would never, I would never have believed. I, I would have been like, you know, get bent, basically. I'd, in 25 just, years, nobody's going to even remember Smashing Pumpkins. Well, <laughs> but you know you know what it's like. It's It's just that kind of, like, I was thinking about my perspective versus perspective of most of these people are getting angry who i assume have to be kids who are teenagers or just young adults younger than we are who are basically going who's you two and why are they in my and what is this it's like 
that's understandable. You can't do anything about that attitude. But I'm I'm totally appalled at how many people are just so furious about this. Like, you know, this is the the the, the recording industry has been degraded by piracy over the past fifteen years, and now someone's giving you an album for free, yeah. and you're freaking out about right. it. Like, I, I don't know what it says about us. I, I think don't it's, know. it's not that it, it was being force-fed to you. If they would have come out and said, hey, you can go on to our servers and download this for free. But yeah. it was being forced upon people. And that's what that's where the pro- my problem with it lies. Yeah. I, it's fine that they're giving away your free U2 album. Right. It's just, yeah, give me the choice to do it or not. Well, but, but the thing with, okay, and how this ties into metal is I saw an article um, by Sharon Osbourne was railing against U2. First of mm-hmm. all, the hypocrisy. But or, Sharon Osbourne, I saw an article today where she cut herself to prove that she loved Ozzy. So we're not even going to trust yeah, her opinion. Yeah, I, I don't need. Like, I'm sure that you two won't lose sleep over Sharon Osbourne, uh, like having this this somehow moral high ground uh, stance against uh, that band. Like, you know, you're are you mad that you didn't think about it first for Ozzy? Mm-hmm. Is that what's really going yeah. on? Like, I just I was so ashamed. Like, just like this is this is the this is the voice of metal or a very loud voice that represents a certain metal artist. And this is what she has to say. You know, I can, I to, I can totally accept your opinion. Yeah. It, and it affects the dark side of my heart. Yeah. Ah, ah, see what I did there. Yes. So let's talk about, um, you brought this, uh, you're like, okay, let's play something off the new accept. And yeah. I hadn't, I haven't heard it until today. Uh-huh. And I listened to it today in, it's really fucking good. Did you know this is their first album to ever go to number one in Germany? It debuted at number one. Really? The other week, yeah. I, you know, th- I and I went back through some of their past few albums, and I heard with that drawn and quartered song that I've heard before. And yeah, but this new album, man, um, it's really it's really a lot of fun. It's a he- it's a nice bounce back from the sort of. They ran into a stumbling block with Stalingrad. I didn't really like that album that much. There's a couple songs in there that are okay. But this one is back to the same quality of Blood of the Nations. And Blood of the Nations is like, it's it's got to be in my top three Accept albums of all time. Accept has not been in my radar for a long time. No, and they shouldn't. And you know what? It's understandable. They Before Blood of the Nations, they weren't around since like 1996 or something. And they weren't yeah. relevant until we since saw 1998. Them, what, we saw them on the, uh, when the, in Sabaton opened up for them. Which, what tour was that? That was Blood of the Nations tour. That was, yeah. Okay. That was, that was, they were fun live. That was a great show, man. They were down a guitarist that night. Herman yep. Frank was injured. He, got, he right. fell off the stage in San Antonio. Um, the last album, like that, you can like when you look back on the Accept discography, like, it's like the last great Accept album before Blood of the Nations. It's maybe Russian Roulette, like that's how far back it goes. You know, I don't even know that album. Oh, it, it that was like their classic era. And so, do me, you think the song is Balls to the Wall? Um, you know, this is a different song, and this is why I chose it because like the the obvious choice would have been to play Stampede, the first single. Mm-hmm. Which is very one, yeah. heavy and very aggressive and like very accepting. Repeating, yeah. yeah, repeating chorus lines and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just the way it accelerates in that chorus gives that kind of a, oh, that that kick of aggression. I love it. But this song is more um, like patient and tamed and kind of spaced out a little bit more. It's it's not a ballad, but it's 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 uh, it reminds me of like a really dark rock track from the eighties, like. Uh, kind of like a Pat Benatar vibe to it, like the pacing of it, you know? 
and it's the chorus is very 80s wild mm-hmm. rock influenced you know kind of white snakeish you know and it's just different i like i love it so much i i was kind of like i'm kind of hoping they release it as a single just like push it out there this is such a it's such a hooky song it's such a great uh new kind of thing they're trying i know they've done ballads before yeah but their ballads have always been sort of classically built you know structured and this one's more of like yeah we like we sort of like 80s rock influences seeping into our metal our german metal attack you know i like i think that's cool Uh, you know that accepts doing it i can accept that yeah (laughs) let's get into the track it is a dark side of my heart and what's the name of the album uh, blind rage blind rage here we go except
Hey, you were just rocking to accept Dark Side of My Heart. We rocking out with our geek out. I love that song so much. It's going to end up in my best songs list of the year. I know it. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. It's just so good. I want, It's one of those things where you, you, know, you play the album through the first time. Yep. And you're just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to press skip or anything. I'm just going to be patient and play it. And I went back and hit repeat on that song like four times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it because, I mean, like I said before, Except has not been anywhere on my radar in, in a long time. You've so. heard, you listened to Blood, You went back and listened to Blood of the Nations, right? I have not. Oh, you need to go listen to that album. All right. It's so good. I will it's, make a point of doing that. It's got a song in there called Pandemic. It's, it's one of the most metal songs I've ever heard. Right after I'd not listened to the new U2 yeah okay fair enough so but um i guess let's let's we have a lot of topics to get through tonight yeah um we were just we just mentioned during the the break uh the paradise lost uh yeah so bloodbath situation let's talk about that yeah bloodbath has finally announced their new vocalist yeah it's I, you don't sound happy about it no i i i'm just very ambivalent about it because I, I, I i like paradise lost yes um it's just a weird choice to me. It, okay, so... It's a weird choice. <laughs> if you don't know, uh, Nick Holmes from Paradise Lost is now the new vocalist for Bloodbass. And, you know, Bloodbass has had an amazing pedigree of vocalists in the past. You've yeah. had Michael Ackerfeld, and you've had Peter Tactron. Yeah. Amazing fucking death metal vocalist. Nick Holmes... Not so much. Yeah. He's never been the best growler. I thought they were going to go with, like, Lindbergh or someone like that, you know? Yeah, Tomas Lindbergh, yeah. At the, well, at the gates is about to... They were busy, yeah. And, like, people were thinking maybe it's Paul Kerr from November's Doom. There was a bus, this oh, big yeah. rumor about that. And he finally, you know, his Facebook's like, nope, it's not me. I can finally say it's not me. He Why? This me. was just so off my radar. I didn't even realize they were going to make an announcement or they're even looking or anything. They, they have a new album out in November already. Jeez. So it's probably done already. And then they're playing um, Maryland Death Fest next year. Oh, okay. So that, that explains it. Yeah, so it was a, it was a big surprise for me. Um, I don't. I'm not going to judge. Until I got to hear, hear the it album. first. Yeah, I'm not going to judge until I hear the album because Bloodbath is one of my favorite death metal bands of all time. Yeah, they're always yeah they, yeah. I I I always enjoy their stuff. Uh, the the song I, I just got to go off a little off tangent. The song outnumbering the day. Uh huh. It's probably one of my top five songs ever. Huh. I'll yeah. have to go back and listen. I don't remember it off the top of my head. And Eaton, I, I can't I can't stop listening. Even the lyrics are stupid and it's like Camel right. Corpse lyrics, <laughs> yeah. but that song's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity that, that tour for Opeth during the the heritage cycle when they had those guys kind of in the same touring cycle. Mm-hmm. They could have done a couple bloodbath songs. Yes. Never happened. Missed opportunity. I mean that's why they were touring with Catatonia at that point, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's Catatoni is pretty much a bloodbath, so yeah. It's like, come on, do 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 a couple. I know there. I remember that. Sh- I was remember that show. I'm like, okay, they got to do. I think that's one made, song. Come on, yeah. I think that's what made certain fans angry because it's like you you have something against metal so much. You're not even gonna. It's. <laughs> I imagine Frank Costanza just getting mad. <laughs> uh, it was such a. It was a. It was a. It was a tease to everybody because we're like, oh, they're gonna fucking do yeah. it, and they never did. My uh, our mutual friend John. He got so mad when he heard about that. He's like, he he swore off supporting Opeth at that moment. He's like, I'm done with Opeth. They were fucking there and they didn't play a <laughs> yeah. fucking bloodbath song. Come on. Yeah. I know. Oh, well. But you know who else has a new album coming out in October? 
I was going to say everybody because you know what? Pretty much everybody. It's- I was I was on Twitter the other day and Adrian Bergrant, uh, from writer from Decibel, yep. tweeted out uh, that there are 60 new releases coming out just this week. That's fucking crazy. That's nuts. October is a huge month for for music releases and for video game releases every year. Yeah. But I am looking forward to um, the double album from Devin Townsend Project. Oh, yeah. One side is going to be Ziltoy 2. And the other side is going to be another Devin Townsend Project album. Well, I always keep telling you I'm going to keep listening to Devin Townsend. I always keep for- putting it off and forgetting about it. All right. We're going to have to stop this shit right now. Yeah. I'll, you- I'll make a point of it. I see him on Spotify. I, I see him up there. I'll, I'll take care of it. All right. <laughs> Well, I'm going to quiz you next time. Yeah, no. I'm, on the next I'll episode, you're going to be you're being quizzed. Yeah, we're actually no, we're going to watch the Retinal Circus. Okay, and you're going to be that's going that's going to be your your gateway drug. Cool. Um. So, another thing I wanted to touch upon. Um, I, this is a weird weird thing. Okay, so Slayer right now is only two out of the four original members, right? Uh-huh. Dave Lombardo is gone. Right. And Henneman is unfortunately seriously gone. Yeah. So you only have Tom Mariah and Carrie King left. Yeah. There was an article where the manager of the band said, no matter who's in the band, Slayer is going to continue. You know what's interesting? Is that that actually does make sense. It No. no and I, you think on the surface, you think it sounds crazy. I heard another guy talk about this too, where he was like, "I can see a future where, oh, Billy Corgan of the Sma- we just mentioned them, the Smashing Pumpkins." He said, "Like I can see a future where I wouldn't even be in the band; I would just write the songs for them, and we'd have n- n- other musicians handle it." So it makes sense for a band like uh, like Slipknot in Guar for having okay, they can bring in new characters in the band, but yeah. you know, Tom Mariah is n- is not a character. He's a, well, he's playing that part because he's not really yeah. He's but a this, super Christian. Basically, what what I'm seeing, and I, I haven't read the article, and when you put this on the, um, we were talking about our show prep, and you, you mentioned this, I was totally blown away. And I thought about when I was driving over here, I was like, that's a, that's such a financially brilliant idea. So so Tom Mariah, Carrie King, and say the manager, say they have a business arrangement where they, they basically own the structure of the band, which they do, yep. I'm assuming. And, and whatever the structure is, basically those guys are making money off the structure. So... If they want to retire or they're just tired of touring, which is understandable, and they get hand-picked musicians that are semi-accepted by the fans and they just continue to tour as Slayer and everyone and, – and because of the we live in the age of the internet, everyone will be aware that this is what the, the situation is. So there's no surprises going into the concert hall like, yeah, I know it's these new guys, but it's still Slayer. You're basically taking the name Slayer, the logo – the image, the everything, and you're basically saying this is a brand now, and we're going to brand this out, and this is going to be the, the the Slayer franchise, basically. So, okay, I've got to, I guess, clear up a, a few points here. Uh-huh. Um, this comes from Dave Lombardo, from an article that, an interview that Dave Lombardo did. Here's, quote, here's what Dave says. Them using the name, well, after the two members are gone, the manager's probably going to use other members of the band, you know, other musicians to, you know, continue the name, you know. So I don't really know. I really have no comment so far, although I've commented enough right now. That's uh, interesting so, to hear from him. You know. He said you know like five times there, but... He's biased, obviously. But look at Dave Lombardo's future right now. He's he's He got hired to do music for a Disney movie. Right. So 
He's got it in in the new film um, album just came out. Yeah. So. P h i l m, not f i l m. Good, good for Lombardo. He needs to Marty Friedman it up and mm-hmm. branch out and just be like, you know what? I'm Dave Lombardo. I'm a really talented drummer. Hire me. Yeah. And people will hire him. He used to put out a new Grip Inc. album. Yeah. Just do whatever you got. Don't worry about Slayer anymore. You can, Even though, you can think, make a perfectly good living off away from Slayer. I think the vocalist is, is deceased from the band. From Grip Inc.? Grip Inc. I believe so. Oh. And then... Gus, huh. somebody, I can't yeah, think of the the, name. Yeah, the, you could be right about that. I didn't really pay attention to that. Hmm. The, um, I think it's a good idea. Like, is it just a business model? Like, Slayer will never die. We'll just have it go on. Because you know what? There will always be kids who are going to be growing up and grunting Slayer. You know? I'm not, I, I have not, I've never been a big fan of Slayer, so I, I don't care either way. But, um, interesting idea. It's such a marketable name. And such a marketable logo, I could see like those guys using that as their retirement cash in type thing. You know, it's true. Gus Chambers passed away in October two thousand eight oh, um, from apparent suicide. I interviewed him a long time ago wow. for Mainstream Resistance back in the day. Jesus. And according to their wiki page, their new vocalist for Grip Inc. I didn't know they were back together. Is Casey Chaos from Amen? Oh, of course. What the fuck? All right, <laughs> moving on. Moving on from that, another band that can continue on without their lead vocalist and, and definitely talk about being a brand is Guar. Yeah. So um, a new, they have two new front people. Two. Two. Uh, one is male and one is female. Female. Um, Blosar is the new male vocalist, and he's like a huge, from what... They were talking about he's like the biggest guy in the world or something. Huh. Um, but Blosar is the new the new male vocalist and the new female vocalist. Her name is Volvatron. Volvatron. <laughs> is she? Uh, she wears a spiky purple. She's a spiky purple Amazon who has the ability to shoot geysers of blood from her breasts. Now, who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? We're talking about branding. Now, Dave Brock passes away. Dave Brock, yes, sir. Um, Guar is a brand, definitely. You know, and though, and yeah, these I, I don't, I don't hold it against them at all. I, I never thought for a second that that band was going to disband after he passed away. I just thought I did for a minute, but the, right, you go on, you're like, okay, so they're all playing characters. They've replaced characters when they right. passed away, or they've left the band. It's just, it's just. Well, I mean, just like, like even stepping away from the kind of sentimentality of it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially it's easier for me. I'm not, like, the super biggest Guar fan in the world. I can step away from it and go, it makes sense for these guys, these musicians who already have this infrastructure built up as Guar, this this kind of touring commodity. This is your job. Like, so find a way to make it work, you know? If it's, if it's, if it's legally okay to make it work, which apparently it is, so... I mean, I guess as long as, um, as, long as the, the, you know, no one objected, I guess. No family members objected. It's okay for them to carry on. And they're doing it in, in his honor and his spirit, you know, that kind of thing. And fans will appreciate it. I, I think I'm, they're coming here at the end of October. And I think I will go check out the show. Because yeah. the last two times that Guar has come, you missed it. I've missed it. And then one of the members has died right afterwards. The member. <laughs> well, yeah. Before it was, uh, I can't remember the guitar player's name. Oh yeah, that's a couple, right. A couple years ago, that passed away. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but you know, I I think 
Do you think it's crass for them to keep going? No, no I don't think so. I mean, look at who it is. It's Guar. It's it's the, the band. The, the the idea of the band on stage is bigger than the individual members. I agree. Like, yeah, okay. I, I think you're right. There's certain bands where I don't think that's okay. I don't think it would be okay if Iron Maiden continued on no. without Steve Harris. No. To me, that would be a betrayal. Um, I don't think it would be okay if Metallica carried on without James Hetfield. I think it would Or be. even Lars Ulrich. I'll say I that. I think it would be okay if they continued without, without Lars. No, I mean, come like, on. I just think that him and Ulrich... Uh, uh, Ulrich and, and, and the Hetfield Okay, are, let's not get on to the Metallica tangent. We could do yeah, a whole episode on talking you, shit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just like, okay, what, what, what bands... That's why, to me, it's like, oh, no, Kerry King has to be a part of Sawyer, does he? Like, Jeff Hanneman was a more talented guitarist. Oh, yeah. And a more talented songwriter. Tom, Tom Araya, I'm sorry. I, I don't like his vocals. <laughs> you know? You don't have to. I mean, nobody's forcing you to. He's the worst vocalist in metal. I'll just say it. Like, I know I've, I've never written about that, but I, I don't have any urge to write about Slayer at all. But Tom Araya is the worst vocalist in metal. It's atonal nonsense is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not good. It's not good. You should see his face. He's getting really mad right now. Like, really red. No, I'm just saying, like... It's um. He's turning blood he's, red. He, he, it's not extreme vocals, but mm-hmm. it's, there's no melodic bent to his voice, but there's no guttural bent to his voice. You know, it's right in the middle of nothing. When I first heard Slayer, they were one of the first heaviest bands that I heard. Yeah, I was like, "Holy crap, those vocals are so heavy!" Yeah. Then you go back and listen to, it, you're like, "That what though? That was nothing." Yeah. I mean, the early shit was it's still classic albums, so right? Yeah. You you still got to give them that. But a lot of that was with Jeff Henneman. Like when you listen back to early Sawyer, can you compare it to early Megadeth or Metallica? Mustaine and Hetfield had melodic angles in their vocals. Mm-hmm. It was still rough, you know, very thrashy thrash metal vocals, but there were there were still angles in there. They were melodic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, know. we're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, good, good for Guar. If you want to send, if you want to send any hate mail about. People, certain people not liking Tom Araya's voice. The metal pigeon at gmail.com. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's talk about uh, new releases, I guess. There's something I, we were watching this a little bit earlier. Um, there's a new Anthrax Blu ray that just came out this week uh, called Chilean Hill. Looks good. It, yeah, there's, a, there's some cool stuff on there because they, they put a GoPro on Scott Ian's guitar yeah. neck, and that was sort of cool. <laughs> There's some interesting stuff. Yeah. They sound really good. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's just and this, cool this, show. Good crowd. This show, in well, have a, a huge metal band like that play a show in yeah. South America, and yeah. it's going to be a if, huge crowd. If you're a metal band and you're going to choose to record a show, it should be in either Germany or you know some metal territory mm-hmm. like South America, Germany, or, you know. Agreed. Don't, like, as much as I love the idea of the Japanese, their loyalty, their audience, uh, what they've done for power metal and stuff. They're, n- they're not that in, in, you know, like inspiring to look at live. I, saw, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, this, um, the Blu-ray, uh, they, they play in its entirety, not in a row, mind you, but hmm. the, the entire among the living album. I saw yeah. this tour a year or so ago. Right. And they, and they sprinkle in a couple of, you know, um, newer tracks from the last album, yeah. um, but of course they end the, the show with one of my. This is this is going to be my my thing. It's that I don't think anybody's ever known about me. I'm a huge Anthrax fan. I have a Not Man tattoo, but I cannot stand the song Antisocial. Oh, 
It's. I mean, I can. I deal do know with, that song. I can deal with it, right. but it's not. It's really my least favorite song. Huh. That's okay. Yeah. It. It's not even. It's not three. It's not even their track either. They were. Right. They. It was a a band called Trust. Oh. Yeah. That was a cover. It was a cover. It wasn't even the real song. Their own song. Wow. So I can forgive him for that. Yeah. But yeah, check out the uh, the new album, uh, the new Blu-ray. I'm sorry, Blu-ray and DVD. I paid like eleven bucks for it on Amazon. So nice, can't beat that for yeah. a Blu-ray. Um, what do we have coming up next? Let's t- let's play a band. Um, let's talk about Ventrusorg real quick. Okay, yeah, that was another one of the bands I reviewed my my last update. Um, the new album. Because I know uh, my missus, my wife is a huge Ventrusorg fan. Oh really? Oh yeah. You know. One of the, and basically, I'll sum it up like this because Vintersorg's been in the middle of this uh, this quadrilogy he's he's making. He's on album number three now, and this one, um, it's it's a uh, I don't know what to say about Vintersorg. You know, you know, here's what I'll say about Vintersorg. I'll say exactly what I said in my review. You have to work to be a fan of this guy. He had Cosmic Genesis back in 2000, and if you want a starting point for Vintersorg, that's the album to go into. Mm-hmm. It's such a accessible, very um, classic metal constructed record, and then after that, like because he was folk metal before up to that point, right? And then there's Cosmic Genesis that midpoint, and then after that, he just gets fucking weird, <laughs> like purposefully weird, where it's just like very progressive black metal, very um, heavy on the keyboards. The keyboards have no melody to them; they're just kind of swirling layers of sound, and you have you either hate it or you're going to be able to be patient enough. To learn to enjoy it, and it's not even the it's not it's not even instantaneous. He has the thing with Vintersorg, and the, and um, mm-hmm. I would I want to play a song off the new album, um, and the song I'm going to play has a this sweeping, beautiful chorus to it where he, it's, he's he's accompanied by this female backing vocalist, and he's capable of doing things like that. But they're sandwiched in between these slabs of very dense music. Yeah. And you just have to, like, a Vintersorg album, I, I must have listened to this new album, like, at least a dozen times, just straight through, focusing on it. And I still, ha- like, I-, I can feel like it's still not seeping in. And Vintersorg is just one of those guys where you have to listen to his music enough to where your brain opens up and is able to accept what you're playing. It- he's he's just, he's not one of them, that, he's not an easily accessible guy, even if you're into black metal, he's just very difficult to get into. Um but yeah, he's in the middle of this this folk. He's back into folk metal, and he's been doing these albums that have been based on the elements. And he's on album number three right now, Notter Ball. And uh, I guess the next one will finish off the cycle. And they're good albums. Like they they've been good, but it's just um, enter in at your own risk. You know, with, with Vintersorg, it's yeah. This this next song is the reason why we're going to play this song is because it's so instantly accessible. The chorus is so great. Uh, I can't pronounce the the title of the song. No, no, no. You have to. Okay. Well, we're gonna. I'll give it a shot because it's it's it, it, the album's in Swedish. The lyrics are uh, are all in Swedish. Um, he hasn't done an English language album since two thousand and seven. And now does it really oh, matter? Like two thousand and four was the last English language wow. album. It doesn't matter because it is. He's such a great singer. Yeah. Some people don't think so. I do. Um. Well, those people are just wrong. Okay, so Rim Rimdens Brenada Or. I almost thought, thought you were gonna say Rim Job. R- Rimdens Brenada Or. 
There you go. By Vinnersorg off of uh, Natterball. And <laughs> we'll be back after this.
And we have returned to MSRcast, and uh, we're about to get some uh, power metal up in here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, probably should touch on the because uh, the the last episode we did um, the Dragon Force album wasn't out yet. That's right. And you're okay. You're a huge Dragon Force fan, correct? Yeah, I yeah. I tried to listen to this album. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about them that I just don't like. Right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's something. It's have you liked them in the past? Any time? Not really. Mm. They've been okay, right? It's you know I'm I love cheesy as hell power metal, and I love old school video game sounds. Yeah, mix them both together. I should love that, right? Well, here's where I think the stumbling block is because it's probably your and, and I th- I feel like a lot of metal fans have this thing where. Guitar Hero might have ruined Dragon Force for a lot of people. I, you, that might be it. Because I always, because because if if you told me to write down my list of the top ten power metal albums of all time, mm-hmm. now granted on any two nights that list might change because I'm so crazy obsessed with that kind of stuff. But the album that would always be in there among a few others that I can think of, but Sonic Firestorm by Dragon Force, their 2002, uh, I'm sorry, 2004 album, that would always be in there. And that's pre Guitar Hero nonsense. That was when they were, it was just their second album. I just can't see through the fire and the flame to get past it. Okay, yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, but you have to. I would I, just as you were urging me to listen to Devin Townsend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to urge you to go back and listen to Sonic Firestorm. Maybe do it when you're like working out or something like that. Okay, because that album is one of the most perfect power metal albums you'll ever hear in your life. It was the first album where they had. Um, uh, I think their drummer Dave McIntosh, he was doing like the you know the double bass and like the extreme metal drumming. That was the first time they did that. Um, it's that's a, such a perfect album. Then they just sort of released these kind of you know semi okay mediocre albums, but they got big mm-hmm. through the Dragon through the uh, um, Fire and the Flame song. And okay, every Dragon Force album has a couple good songs on it. I, I feel. But they just haven't been living up to the um, Sonic Firestorm quality until they released this album. This is such a good album. I, I at least I think so. I remember I did listen to it, um, and I remember listening. <coughs> Excuse me, it got me all choked up. Yeah, uh, the song "Symphony of the Night." There was no references to Castlevania or any any parts to the no. to the music but from the no, game. But it doesn't have to be. I was so disappointed though. Well, I was like, oh, there's got to be just just yeah. a little hint of music from it. No, nothing. Yeah, because you know, on that 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 2000 album Ultra Beatdown, they really did sort of play around with like, oh, people know us through a video game, so we'll throw in some self conscious video game noises in our music. But they, but when you go back and listen to their classic albums like Sonic Firestorm, it's just power metal. It, that's it. There's nothing about video games, and and like so, the the original vocalist leaves, and their last album, The Power Within, was kind of a departure. The new guy, Mark Hudson, they're trying out some different songwriting structures, slowing down a little bit. That that single, Cry Thunder, was very mid paced and anthemic. Okay. The new album's back to more of just like this is where Dragon Force is. What we do, we're going to try to just focus on this, and it's so good. They do a cover of. Um, <laughs> Johnny Cash. I know uh, where you're going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ring of Fire. It's so good. And you know, it, I have the opposite reaction of that song. Oh, I love it so much because, you know, in the guitar solo, they hearken to it, it. It it plays on the melody of Ring of Fire, but it also jumps to the melody of the Highwaymen, 
which oh. Iced Earth covered earlier in the year. Yeah, I didn't and catch it, that. It takes a little bit, because I was sitting there listening to that song. I'm like, what are they playing the solo? What's going on in this guitar solo? I was freaking out about it. <laughs> and I was like, that's the Highwaymen. They're taking the melody from the Highwaymen and interjecting in there. Another Johnny Cash song. Yeah, that's sort of cool. It's, I haven't have to go back and in and listen to that and and listen for that. It's exactly. a good. It's a, It's such. It was such a surprise to hear a Dragon Force album in 2014 that just blew me away. Where I was just like, oh, it's so fun. It's such a, just a fun album to listen to, and it's so satisfying. And I see that uh, Matt Heafy has a lot on this album for some reason. Yeah, and he is. And on paper, that sounded like a bad idea. But the songs he's on, I mm-hmm. love them. Like, is he vocals or he does backing vocals? He doesn't do lead. Okay, actually, there's there's a small fragment where he does like a like a single line of lead vocals, but it fits right in. Okay, and, and the backing vocals he does are just to give like a little bit of an accent, and it just it gives those songs like their chorus. It gives them a little bit of an extra you know aggressive uh, aggressive kick, and it's a good combination. It worked. You so know? we're gonna get into a track from the new Dragon Forth after we. Um, we go back into our power metal topic. Oh, yeah. Because Dragon Force, yes, they're power metal. By the way, produced by Jens Bogren. I think we mentioned that earlier. Yep. This is produced by him. He's a, he's a good producer. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of our favorite and least favorite power metal albums so far this year. Yeah, I was thinking about, like, when the year started, I was making such a big deal about, like, I looked at the docket of new releases. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the year of power metal. I'm looking at a lot of them right now, and I haven't listened to a lot of these truthfully. But let's let's. What is your your favorite been so far? My absolute like, well, the Dragon Force is up there definitely. But I think honestly, the the one that kind of took me by surprise that I didn't really expect or didn't even really know about this band, um, the Dawn of Destiny album. I'm still listening to it. I talked about it a couple episodes ago. Um, back in in March and April, uh, somewhere around that time, and that's such a great album. I I can't see it fading from my listening habits anytime soon. And, and to me, that indicates I've been listening to that album so much that it indicates they'll probably end up on my top ten list, uh, very high. Really up there? Yeah, I can I can feel it. It's like what have I been listening to more than that album this year? I, I just keep going back to that album. It's like. When you when you create those lists at the end of the year, you have to just be honest with yourself about what you've been listening to, mm-hmm. and you can't follow, like, oh, it's not, like, oh, I'm gonna just put the Behemoth album up there because that's the critical pick. It's like, no, you got to be honest with yourself and and look at your play counts on iTunes, and you go, okay, I've been listening to that a lot. Um, you know what's my biggest disappointment? I think in retrospect is the Iced Earth album. Unfortunately, <laughs> me too. It yeah. doesn't stay with you. No, I haven't listened to it since I saw them live. Like, right. They're, we saw them uh, like when they were with, uh, with Sabaton. Sabaton fucking blew them away. Yeah. And Sabaton's new album blows the new I-Stars album yeah. away. That's another thing. Sabaton's new album, was um, I thought, was one of their was probably their most cohesive mm-hmm. album. It's not my not favorite their, album. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not my favorite album by them, but it... Thematically, it worked. And it's, it's so strong. It's, the Sabaton... Um, Ah, that's such a good album. <laughs> I, but you know, it, another power metal disappointment. Um, I would, I would maybe tack. Uh, it's not a disappointment so much, but I didn't really feel that strongly about the new Hammerfall album, and I didn't feel that wild about. And I feel really bad saying this. <laughs> I didn't feel that good about the Ed Guy album. Really, in retrospect, yeah. 
it's got some really good peaks to it, some mm-hmm. like really good cuts that you can pull out and put on a playlist and feel really strong yes. about. And then the rest of it, I just feel like, ah, uh, man, like I don't that, know what's okay, going the on. The first half of the album is bald to the wall, great Ed Guy. Yeah. Then it sort of tapers down a little bit. Well, you know, it's weird. I'm, and this is going to sound strange, but I feel like the tr- the title track, Space Police, was mm-hmm. really good because it was very anthemic in that classic Ed Guy way. But then the other two songs that I thought were really highlights were the most untypical for that band, like uh, Love Tiger. I love that song. <laughs> I love that song, too. And I love the ballad. I think the ballad might be one of the best ballads released in the year. Um, a- a- alone in Alone with Myself or Alone in Myself mm-hmm. or something. It was... Uh, it was like that that very gospel influenced ballad. It was the rest of the album. Whenever they just, I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm going back and I'm like, you know, I really I like every song on this album. Yeah, um, do me like a caveman. It's stupid, but good, it's, good it's fun. Yeah, good chorus. Rock, like, okay, I could have done without the Rock Me Amadeus cover because it's too close to the original to be. It was too close, but it's still fun. Yeah, um, but you know what I didn't like was the the um, Eternal Way was it the Eternal Wayfarer or something mm-hmm. like that or the the last like the epic I just thought was kind of it fell flat. Um, speaking of like uh, an album that fell flat was the Sonata Arctica album. Yes, kind of fell flat for me. I'm gonna go see them live because I've never seen them li- yeah perform live before. Yeah. But there's a couple of good tracks on the new Sonata Arctica, but the first single was really good. Some of the the weirdness destroys the album for me like the voiceover stuff and yeah he needs to stop with that yeah enough it, it, it he's been doing that for the past couple albums and it's just like you know what what here's the greater irony of that situation is that they're re-releasing uh ecliptica this month uh, the re-recording the re-recording they? yeah they i just heard kingdom of a heart before i left yeah. to drive over here it sounds so good and those early albums didn't need all that stuff that that like like for example, like on the new album, that stupid song uh, with the 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 preacher vocal. Remember, mm, like where yeah. the guys like the televangelist comes on and he's like, I'm talking and stuff. Um, X marks the spot. It was just yeah. the worst. One of the we've, worst. I think we talked about that on the show before. <laughs> it was so bad. You know what album came out earlier in this year that really surprised me? Um, and I've listened to him before. I was never a huge fan, but the new Freedom Call album, Beyond. Oh God. Freedom I think, Call, it's so good. It is so cheesy and so saccharine, power metal-y. And I wish I, could oh, re- so write, good. I wish I could write my review over again because my review is basically like, this is good, but it's not great. No, I was wrong. <laughs> it's great. That album has grown on me so much. It, it really has. Um, it, I think that the... Okay, I, I do feel like the album's too long. I feel like if they had limited it to about eight to ten songs, because it starts off super strong and then it's sort of, you know... Yeah, it slides down just a little bit. Um, oh my god, the first eight songs of that album were just nigh perfect. Like for that particular style of metal, and I don't know why I didn't realize it when I first heard it, but I was like, "Wow, well, you know, Power Quest is defunct. If you want that super happy metal, mm-hmm. Freedom Call is the only band in the world that's doing that exact style of metal." And it's taking here. Uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say Hammerfall, but no, it's taking uh, Halloween to the next level. Oh, to it, the yeah, just. It, Pouring a fucking pound of sugar on that shit. I mean, Halloween in the Andy Darris era, there's no such thing as like a. Even on their last one, where mm-hmm. they tried to be happy, like a happy toned. Yep. Andy Darris, I, I love him as a vocalist. 
he doesn't do that well. That's not his bag, you know? Um, when you need that kind of, like, that super vibrant, happy... And I know a lot of people hate that style, so if you do, just bear with us. We're talking about this for a while, but... <laughs> There's something really valuable about that particular style of metal. And like really, it was only Power Quest and Freedom Call kind of holding the flag for it for a while. Um, and now it's just Freedom Call. Yep. Where it's where it's it's met, it's got the energy, it's got the aggression of metal, but it's the emotion is completely different. Like the emotional palette of that Freedom Call album is is the complete opposite of the emotional palette of the Iced Earth album. Yeah. Or the emotional palette of the Behemoth album. I think uh Go back to Ice Earth real quick. I think they just sort of phoned that 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 in. They're like, "Hey, let's just we need a new album. Let's here here you go." Good. There, you know, there's good riffs on that album that remind me of sort of a, of immortal riffs. You know, mm. like just heavy good songs, but they're just good. There's nothing great about the Ice Earth album, and that's and there was a couple of really. There's a lot of albums that came out that I mean, they're they're just good. There's a couple yeah, of great. There's, there's some great tracks on it, like okay, the new Gamma Ray. It. I mean, there was some yeah, good tracks on it. That was very average. Um, that was a disappointment. But to it, me. but you know what to expect from them. You, it's they. The last few albums have been, they've been good enough. Yeah, and I, I have the same. A little bit above that level is the new Primal Fear, delivering the black. I'm a huge Primal Fear nerd, and there's a lot of great tracks on here, but. I don't find myself always going back to listen to it. Yeah, I that was another album that I was thinking about also. Um, what was the... Uh, we were totally missing another band, uh, Power Metal Band. I, I'll try to remember them, but um, they released an album around the same time that I, I felt the same way about. But, well, yeah, the new Brainstorm came the album. Yeah, Fire Brainstorm, Soul. exactly. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to love it, but I don't. Yeah, I, um, I love Andy Frank's vocals. He's one of those... Yeah. He has an interesting style. He's one of the best metal vocalists I think, out there, I think. I think I, I like Simforce a little bit more than Brainstorm. Is, oh, see, it, I've always been the opposite. I've always preferred that the just do the Brainstorms. Because the Simforce stuff, I just never I never took to me musically. Mm-hmm. The thing about... The thing all about... Uh, um, I was about to call them Brain Force, which would have been stupid. You almost had a brain fart. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the thing about those guys who write those songs, they know the the strengths of his voice, and they really build those songs to play around, to play to those strengths, you know? And it's just, um, oh, well, you know, it, it's not a bad album. It's good for what it is. So let's uh, let's get back into some music. Let's go ahead and play the track from Dragon Force. This is... Um, no More. No More. I love the way the song, um, the vocals are sort of like... Um, almost panicked in the chorus where it's just like they just kind of swoop out from underneath the chorus section and just just soar up there it's such say what you want about Dragon Force Sam Totman is one of the most brilliant songwriters in metal like just as far as delivering catchy effective songs by the way first Dragon Force album with no songwriting credits for Herman Lee really people have this misconception that Herman Lee is the the musical force behind that Mm -hmm. band it's always been Sam Totman. He used to write with uh, Steve Williams and Power Quest. That's kind of, I feel like, where he kind of honed his melodic pop songwriting chops. You yeah. Because Steve Williams is just untouchable. And he's been the force in Dragon Force. He's been the guy. The the bassist, Frederick Leclerc, actually co-wrote most of the album with him. And it's like, wow, there's a new shift going on in Dragon Force songwriting-wise. Hmm. Uh, 
um, it's sort of like what happened with Judas Priest this year, where it's like the new guy wrote most of the stuff. So the new bassist is writing Let's, most of the we, stuff. Yeah, Judas Priest can be considered power metal, and I use that with quotes. Yeah, I think, did we talk about this album last time we did? No, we were going to, um, I I listened to it a few times, and I was like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And I got bored of it, like, really quickly. Really? I keep going back to it. I'm, 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 I'm very uh, taken with just how swaggering that album is there's something about the production for me the production does suck i will say but there's something very uh charming about the fact that they went really aggressive and they pulled it off like you know certain songs in that album uh like the sword of damocles have this sort of swashbuckling just epic as hell feel that i haven't heard from priest since Mm. you know i that song right there it it, uh, when i was the first time i heard i'm like you know Amana Mars could do a song like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be like fit right in with I, their style. I like that the, the, the song is called Sword of Damocles, and the chorus sounds like someone swinging a sword. Yeah. This, the way the melody just swings back and forth. Richie Faulkner can't say enough good things about what he's done for that band. Just injected them with something, new life, you know? So let's check out uh, this Dragon Force song before we move on to another topic, Ah, before we tangent off, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the MSR cast. You were just listening to Dragon Force, uh, No More. Thank God. Really? Yeah. No more. You didn't like it? Thank Joss. <laughs> um, I, I, I fall back on my uh, earlier comment. I still can't get into Dragon Force. It just got such a effortless, uh, melodic bent. or um, Yeah, bent. Yeah, it's just it's just that kind of uh it's so satisfying. You know what it's it's like ordering a, a deep dish pizza is what it is. <laughs> That's what Dragon Force is. Dragon Force is a deep dish pizza. But to me it's like okay. It's like ordering a deep dish pizza that pretends to say that there were a Chicago style deep dish pizza and it's not what yeah. you want. Okay. Okay, no, but they are they are lighter. Even for power metal, they are lighter. There's more helium there. But what I think you I think here's the thing with Dragon Force, what you listen to them for is not really the technicality or not really the um the speed. It's just the culmination of all those effects that makes that music very uh and, and this touches back to the freedom call, it makes it very euphoric. Like when I listen to drag like the best Dragon Force stuff, I feel very it makes me it gives me an emotional response where I feel very like elated and, I, and euphoric. I don't have that emotional response from them. That, but, yeah. you know, I, I still love Stradivarius and that kind of stuff, so it's not that I don't... And it's weird I don't because, appreciate that stuff, right. but... It's weird because I'll, I'll, I would say, alternatively, like Stradivarius, like, where they used to do that for me, they faded in my affection. And they've, and they've grown in my affection. Right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's, 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 it's like... So, you know... We, can, we, we both know wh- what we're talking about. We both know we're talking about happy, like, um, kind of... Uh, I don't know, uh, euphoria-inducing power metal, mm-hmm. where when you're having a bad day and you put yes. on something like that, whatever it is, whatever I, I, band I it is. I think you might be right. I, I have my Guitar Hero goggles on still. Maybe. I think if you went back and you listened to Sonic Firestorm and you were, and you just pretended that that Guitar Hero period never existed, and you listened to it at, and on the terms of like a European power mm-hmm. metal album... okay. It would you would change your perspective. That album is so perfect. Okay, I will I will do you that favor. I will go yeah. back and listen to it. Good. <laughs> you must listen to the entire catalog of Devin Townsend before next episode. <laughs> it's like seventeen albums or something. Uh, like yeah, that. eighteen, nineteen, okay. twenty, something like that. Um, listen to Addicted. Uh-huh. Listen to uh, Deconstruction. Deconstruction. Listen, I remember Deconstruction. Um, Deconstruction is great. Every song has a guest vocalist. Eson's on there. Paul Kerr is on there. Okay, yeah. Odorous was on there. It's 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 a great album. Um, start with those two. Yeah, and then move on. Yeah, Epic Cloud. So, okay, we we won't dwell on that too much. Okay, but um, let's take a few moments here before we're going to end this episode pretty quickly. Um, what have you been listening to recently? Besides Dragon Force, well, besides like the new releases, I've been assigned to assign myself to listen to, because sometimes that's all you have to listen. It's like, oh, I gotta gotta listen to the new Opeth yep. album, gotta listen to that. Um, I've been going back and just kind of going on like Spotify and listening to old Suidakra albums. Mm. That sounds weird, but I've been um, also something I'm planning on doing is a little retrospective feature on Therion's uh, 2004 uh, Lemuria Serious B double album. Okay. That's such a masterpiece of an album, and I've been I've been revisiting it and kind of re-getting into it, and that was my most listened to album that year when it was released, and and I'm thinking about writing something about it, just kind of like like a really in-depth thing about it, and uh, I, in fact, I've already started on it. Um, so I've been kind of listening to that, and then whenever I'm whenever I'm not kind of in that mood, 
to get something uh, very in-depth. I, I kind of found myself just going back to uh, like old Accept albums and stuff like that <laughs> lately. Just sort of just, yeah, I haven't heard Russian Roulette in like 10 years. I'll just go back and listen to that, you know, and it's still so great, you know. So recently I've been listening to, I got to listen to the hell out of the new Evergreen album. Uh, Hymns for the Broken. Yeah. Um, I was originally supposed to interview Tom England last weekend, but scheduling didn't work out. But um, that's going to happen in the next few weeks. So we're going to have an episode of MSRCast with Tom England. Um, I really love the new album. I wasn't a fan of the the couple past albums. They just weren't that, they didn't, they weren't memorable to me. Right. I listened to them once and I, I don't think I ever picked them up again, but. Has it, has it, are they changing their style or are they still kind of in that that same sound palette it's, it's um it's it, it's more to it, I want I don't want to say classic evergreen because it's really but like my favorite album from them is recreation day mm-hmm. yeah um and this album falls right behind there for me oh okay it's really it's a really really good album uh what else have I been listening to uh, the new threshold I'm a huge Threshold fan. I was fan. just told that that was a really big surprise, that how good that album was. It's it, it's really, really good. Um, there's this one track on there. I'm trying to remember. The, it's like a, it's like 11 or 12 minutes, the the key or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I'm trying to pull up. Their, the It's hard when you're called Threshold and you go on to Google and every, the first thing that pops up is a strip of wood. Right. <laughs> That's not what they are. <laughs> are you? Do you find that because you get so many promos in? Yes, it it that, does get overwhelming. Well, I mean, because like because you're just you're trying to if you find an album you enjoy, and that causes you to get late on other albums mm-hmm. you're supposed to be listening to. Oh, agreed. And you and no one you're you're your own boss to this, and I I'm my own boss of the Metal Pigeon, and we I can set my own damn schedule, but it's just like I feel like a responsibility of like oh this album came out I really should put up a review about it now. Instead of like three months wait for the Vinterstorg album, like yeah. it was. <laughs> the, well, the new album from Threshold is called For the Journey. Um, it's the second album with Damien back in the band. Huh. Um, because, you know, the, the vocalist, the one who I really got into the band was Mac McDermott. Yeah. And he passed away a few years ago. So now they have back in the band, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name now, Damien Wilson. Couldn't think of his last name. I had to think of Deadpool, Wade Wilson. Right, yeah. But, um, you know, this is a, it's a good album. It's, I like the March of Progress from a couple of years ago better as a, as a full album. It was more, that, that album emotionally hit me on every, every level. Huh. I don't know what it was about that, that album. It just hit me hard. And, I mean, there's some great songs on this album, but it's, I, I don't stop listening to it until I get, that's something, right? Yeah. Are you are you listening to it like, like sitting down, focusing like? I listen to a lot of my music when I'm driving. Okay, that, that's yeah. where I really concentrate. It's weird. I listen to a lot of like, I listen to like I don't know. It, my music habits are so strange. Sometimes I have to discipline myself mm-hmm. to not just go to the like. Oh, there's a new podcast up of the show. Yeah. I like. I'll listen to that. No, listen to music. Yeah, you know. And then when you go too long without listening to music, you get that craving again, yes. and it makes everything sound better. I'll, like sometimes I think wrong. depriving myself of music is better. Yeah, I agree. I listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah. so it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend some time and really dive into this new new release or this, this yeah. old album or whatever it is. 
and you really appreciate it a little bit more because yeah. you're not you're not burned out on it. You're not just hearing people's fucking voices all day. You yeah, know? which is cool sometimes. Like if you want to listen to MSRcast and Metal Geeks all the time, but y- yeah, exactly. I was just thinking about it, like, <laughs> well, you you ha- you know what? We live in 2014. We live in a time when there's so much content being thrown yeah. at you. Think about what you your daily existence is mm. like. There's not enough time in the day for anything. There's new albums. There's new podcasts of shows you really appreciate. Yep. There's new TV shows you want to watch. There's new movies coming out. There's video games. Yep. Like, there's so much stuff. And then we have to go to work. And then you have to go to work and then find time to eat and all that other stuff in between and cook and everything. And it's like, ah. Uh, and you. And this is why I'm not. I'm not saying like this is a. This is a definitely a, a luxury problem. Mm-hmm. But it's still a problem in the sense that it really messes up your priorities. Like metal used to be the most super important thing in my life, and it still is a huge important right. thing in my life. If I took it away, if you took it away from me right now, I would be very unhappy. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe it's something about getting older. You just you when your your interests expand. Who are you calling old? Well, all of us. We're, we're, getting, <laughs> we're, not, we're not old. We're just getting older. And it's just your we're getting interest, seasoned. Your interests are expanding, and it's hard to prioritize yeah. things, you know? Yeah. I agree. I mean, I have a lot on my plate. I mean, yeah. podcasting and work and, and you know, writing for other things and yeah. doing social media for all the other things. It is so much. What's, and, what's hard, you know, what's, you know what sucks is that, like, okay, when you write stuff about metal. Mm-hmm. You really have to do your homework. Yeah. Not only just in terms of like facts and figures, knowing people's names, record companies, release dates, whatever. You have to sit there and listen to the album a good many times before right. you actually have an, a good take on it. We're not like this isn't like TMZ or or um or what do you call it? Uh, Entertainment Buzzfeed, tonight. the most obnoxious website oh, yeah, of yeah, all yeah, time, yeah. where they just riff on. Like, oh, there's a social media meme going on. or They regurgitate a, shit. Or there's a celebrity thing, and I can just dash off an article really quick in, like, two seconds. A lot of, there's a lot of metal stuff out there, a lot of internet sites and stuff. It's just regurgitating press releases and that kind of stuff. And well, Blabbermouth being the biggest aggregator of well, that. But the thing is... Uh, it, uh, like, they've been to, doing it for so long. So. To actually have, like, some kind of meaningful take on it. Like, how boring would a podcast be if they just came on and we were just like, so Dragon Force has a new album. I bet that'll be really good. All right, moving on. And, you know, Here's what the press release yeah. says. This <laughs> yeah. album comes out September 18th. What if there was, a, if there was a, I'm sure there's some kind of podcast that exists where all they do is kind of mimic press releases. They don't mm-hmm. actually listen to the albums. Right. I hope not. And that's why, that's why I brought you on to this podcast now is my new co-host because we both have the same feelings towards metal and we're both open and we're, you know, a lot of, we're, we're who we are. We're, we don't try to be, pretend we're anybody else. And that's where I think both of my shows are, are a lot of fun for people to listen to because we are who we are. Yeah. We're not trying to be pretentious and we don't try to be, you know, it's just. Yeah. I, I just, I just said on the show that I loved super happy sounding power metal. Like, I don't care what you think about me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I don't need to prove that I'm in the metal. But you like super raw black metal, too. Exactly, you gotta, yeah. you got to keep your metal card, man. Well, no, I don't even... You know what? You can take it. Because I don't care. <laughs> like... It has, a, it's too, it has a too high of an APR, anyways. Like, there's... Like, you know, like, metal is like ice cream. There's so many different flavors. Yeah, I agree. And they're all good, because it's all ice cream. You know? It's all metal. Yep. It's just... Sometimes you want strawberry, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Now, what metal band would you consider a strawberry? Freedom Call is strawberry. See, I'm allergic to strawberries, so... Okay, well, okay, they could be raspberry or something okay. like that. 
Freedom Call was like a raspberry vanilla sorbet. Yeah, yeah, a sorbet. Now, what would you consider like, um, like let's say Marduk? Marduk has got to be like, um, like uh, dark fudge brownie or something, like something with like some chunks to it. Well, what about some... mint chocolate chip? Who would you compare to mint chocolate chip? Blind Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tin roof. Uh, we can go on forever. Uh, I, I don't know. How about plain old vanilla? Metallica. Metallica is plain old vanilla. <laughs> Not even the one with like vanilla beans so it tastes better. It's just that plain yeah. $2 box of vanilla well, ice cream. Well, 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 give us some dignity. It's homestyle vanilla from Bluebell. There you go. Okay. A little dignity. They've been around for a while. Yeah. But not, not much. No. All right, so um, on on those notes, let's uh, wrap up this episode. Thank Aye. you. I hope um, let's hear some feedback. What do you guys think about this format? We went to uh, a lot of talking, some music. It's not going to be always doing this type of episode. We, yeah. of course, still have interview episodes to come up, and we're going to definitely do some more specialty episodes where we will only pretty much play music. Yeah, don't don't be a passive listener. Just you know, get yeah. in, get involved. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what you want more of, you know? Yeah. I mean, MSRCast at gmail.com is where you can find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter easily, uh, the metal pigeon, uh, at the metal pigeon. Uh, if you really want to email me, um, it's the, the metal pigeon at gmail.com. And uh, you can always comment on my site. Um, easiest way to, co- to get in touch with us is, is always Twitter, I think. Twitter's just. Twitter, the, yep. Uh, I'm. The show is at... It MSR buzzes Cast. my phone. It, right? Yeah. Um, I'm usually on the Metal Geeks Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can find us there. You can find us on iTunes. Yeah. Um, search for Metal Injection or search for MSRCast. We're both there. You can find us on our website, metalinjection.net. Search for Go to Podcast. Look right there. There's MSRCast. Uh, metalgeeks.net. Um, we're we're going to post all of our... For both shows right there. There's various art, other articles and... Like, we just had this really great geeky article written by Matt Harvey from Exhumed about basically why Marvel movies are better than DC movies. Huh. And it's really in-depth, um, well-written, amazing fucking and he's article. including, like, the Dark Knight and stuff in yeah. there. Oh, it's, wow. it's definitely an interesting read. Everybody should read that. that so go to metalgeeks.net, yeah. look for that. Um, I always you, like controversial arguments, and that's definitely oh, a controversial argument. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can find Sean here at themetalpigeon.com. Yep. And what else, what else do we have to say? You know, I think, I think the main thing right now is like, like we were just mentioning there's 60 metal releases coming out this week alone. Like if anyone has any suggestion or if, if I can't cover 60 releases, no. so if you find something that's worth listening to, like tweet at us, tell us. Yeah, like, tweet, hey, tweet us and email us. We will listen to it and talk about it on yeah. the show and, and mention you specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for tuning in, everyone, to episode 157 of the MSRCast Metal Podcast. I am Kerry G. I'm the Metal Pigeon, Sean. And guess what? Stay metal. Keep it metal. Ah, ah I always get it wrong. Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRcast.com. Metal or die! Let's do metal all the time! Yeah!